Um, we're doing a series uh, this month called Heart to Heart, and uh, I wanted to uh, take the time over the five Sundays in December as well as uh, Christmas Day uh, to unpack the implications, if you like, of Christmas and uh, what you might say are five ways that we can respond uh, to uh, the meaning of Christmas and, and how we can invite others into that space and, and, and respond to it, not only in, in December but in going into next year in 2018. And uh, it's really uh, a blessing that in our Life Journal readings this month we're reading uh, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we are on the third chapter today, so some of you who are following that would have already started to get into the Christmas story. And uh, when you look at the four Gospels, Luke gives us the most information uh, about Christmas time. A lot of our imagery uh, of Christmas comes from the Gospel of Luke, uh, the great hymns. Uh, many of those are written based on the opening chapters of Luke uh, for a lot of the great carols. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a fantastic book to really step into the moment uh, of uh, Christmas time and what's going on uh, at that time. Thank you. Um, so I really encourage you to read it and to read along with it. But Luke uh, gives us uh, some interesting uh, snapshots uh, which we don't really expect when it comes to what happened perhaps at Christmas times because we're talking about the arrival of the Lord and Saviour of all the earth and a very select group of people initially were allowed into uh, and received that news. Uh, it wasn't announced in the way that you might expect or it wasn't announced to perhaps the people or in the places that you might expect. And today we're going to look at one of the ways that that news was released and who it was released to. And I trust that you're going to find that a really uh, strong encouragement. You could say that what we're looking at was the first Christmas sermon or the first Christmas message uh, when it was released. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2 and then we're going to unpack some of the implications of what this group of shepherds, we might call them tradies today, uh, were told uh, on the first Christmas, uh, Christmas day. Um, Luke chapter 2 starts by saying, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from uh, the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to that house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And the shepherds, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. 
you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now, there are many things in this passage, and we're going to read the conclusion of the story in a few moments' time, that we need to pay attention to to realise the significance of what's going on. Firstly, Luke, as he always does, uh, provides uh, detail in terms of specific markers for what was going on at the time. So this is not a mythical story. This is not a once upon a time there was a baby in the land of la-la uh, and, you know, it did this. There's nothing like that. Luke's saying this happened in history. These are the people that were ruling at the time. This is the location and gives those historical markers to point out to it. He then uh, unfolds this uh, uh, story that's happening on the first night and we then are invited into the fact that shepherds, are the ones that receive this big announcement about Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Uh, Not far away, uh, as Luke uh, has already indicated to us, are the rulers of the known world at the time. You've got the temple and all of the religious elite that ruled over uh, God's people at the time. You've got the governor uh, of the region ruling at that time. But they don't get any visit from any angel. There's no announcement for them that Jesus, the Son of God, has arrived, the Lord and Saviour of the world. For some reason, God decides that three blokes out in the field with a bunch of sheep are going to get the biggest scoop exclusive announcement that's ever been delivered in the history of news broadcasting and they're going to get told that the one who is going to save you the world, has arrived. Now, I reckon that ought to be a great encouragement to us, but it also ought to give us a clue about who this message is actually for. Because we know that there are many folks today who uh, perhaps we think should be interested in the news about Jesus' birth or, or, or should be paying attention to it that aren't, But there are probably lots of other people that we may not necessarily expect are interested that God believes are interested and need to hear the news of Jesus Christ. You see, when God decides to announce to the world that he's on the scene now in a different way, it's a message that is literally for everybody. And he looks at those whose hearts are ready to receive and he is happy to deliver that message out in a field to a bunch of guys who you wouldn't normally pick to normally carry that news. But the way that they react to this news and the way that they respond to it shows that they're as excited about what they've been told about Jesus as anyone. So God uh, God is very uh, selective, if you like, at choosing where he's going to announce this news and it's not necessarily in the places would we expect. Now, there are five reasons why Christmas is good news and I want to unpack those from the passage we've just, we've just read before we look at how we should respond to it in the way that the shepherds did in the same way. Firstly, the message starts 
The first Christmas message starts with do not be afraid. And I find it incredibly reassuring that so often whenever God stands up or reveals himself to someone, the first thing that he says to them is do not be afraid. And I reckon if there's anything else that anyone could take from the Christmas story, from the Christmas message, it would be this wonderful encouragement or even instruction to not be afraid. Because fear is one of the greatest, uh, most debilitating things that can come into our life and that can affect us. And what's more, it can stop us from receiving the good gift that God desires us to receive at Christmas time. Fear of what people think, fear of what is going to happen, fear of how it's going to turn out, or just fear about anything that can cause us to say, I can't take that on, I don't have time for that, I don't quite understand it, I don't get it, and and it becomes a blocker. So the first thing that God speaks in this occasion to these guys is, don't be afraid. You're about to download something that that is going to change your life, but I want to start in the place and I want to quench your fear. It's almost as if dealing with that fear is a necessary first step before they are opened up to receiving the first Christmas message, before they receive the good news about Jesus Christ. I just have a feeling today, I know it's probably always a good guess that there's someone who's struggling with fear, I understand that, but you know, I always sense every time we gather that God wants to deal with fear in this place right now. That just take a moment and, and if you, you're a person who's in fear or is fearful, maybe it's just a general sense of dread that you carry around, maybe there's something specific that you are anxious about, you can put your finger on it right now and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this. I just have a sense that if anything could happen today, if anything could happen for you this Christmas, God would release you from fear because fear does not belong with love. They can't coexist together. God's love for you needs to extinguish and drive out fear. It's got to be dealt with. God says, do not fear. Get get rid of it. And let's then talk about what it means for me to love you and to you to love me. So the first reason why uh, Christmas is good news is because it banishes fear. God has come. The Lord and Saviour of all the world is alive as a human being. He's he's in our place. He's in our space. He's now one of us. So it drives out fear. Secondly, we then see in what the angel said to the shepherds that he's bringing good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So the arrival of Jesus brings joy. It banishes fear, but it brings joy. Joy is an interesting thing. You've heard me talk about before the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness, the clues in the word, is connected to what happens. So happiness comes and goes based on what's going on in our life, based on what's happening. Sometimes we're happy because good things are happening and sometimes we're not. 
because we're sick or some other circumstance and that waxes and wanes. So I talk about happiness being on the, the horizontal scale. We move along one side to the other based on what's happening. Joy comes from above. Joy is on the vertical scale. And joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, joy, real deep spiritual joy is from Jesus. And we can experience that joy irrespective of where we are in life in terms of what's happening. Because what happens is you can have some people who are standing over here on the happy scale, but they sense still something's missing. They can list off, I've got this, I've got that. You know, you'd look at their life and say it's fantastic, but there's no connection with God, and so they still feel the emptiness of the joy that should be inside them, even though they're over here. Then you have other people who are standing on this side of the happiness scale and there's no joy and no connection to heaven and their world seems like it's going to end. It just seems desperate and desolate because there's no connection with the joy. So wherever you are on this scale, you need the joy of God. You can't stand over here and say, oh, I'm happy, I don't need no joy. And if you're over here, you really know you need something. But wherever it is, you need the joy of God. Now, if you happen to be standing over here and you do receive the joy of God, then you're in a place where you know that it overwhelms and is far greater than the happiness that you might be experiencing in life. Because the joy of God through the power of the Holy Spirit is overwhelming. It's far better than anything that's going on in our life. Also, if you're filled with the joy of the Lord and you're standing over here on the happiness scale, you also know that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day what's going on because the joy of of God through the power of the Holy Spirit goes with you everywhere. And that's why the Apostle Paul is in jail at midnight, in chains, probably facing execution, and he's singing hymns to God because he's filled with the joy of the Lord. His situation's desperate, but it doesn't matter because of this connection that goes up through the Holy Spirit. That's what Christmas time's about. It's not I'm happy, I'm having a turkey, you know, I've got a Christmas ham, so I'm happy at Christmas time, even though I'm sure they're fun things to do. I'm looking forward to our, what are we having anyway? Uh, you know, I like eating at Christmas time. <laughs> I, I like eating at most times. But anyway, um, uh, so it's not, it's not, oh yeah, we're having a get-together kind of happiness, but the joy that Christmas time brings is there is a God, there is a Lord and Saviour. And his arrival, his advent, as it were, is good news. It banishes fear and it brings joy. And the Bible also refers in the story to peace and favour. This sense of God is for us. Have you ever considered how many people uh, talk about luck, believe in luck? You know, it's amazing what people will do because they think, I'm going to be lucky and I'm going to win. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that it's almost like a human condition. I think humans are programmed in some ways to believe and accept and receive favour. But many people don't know 
that it ultimately belongs with the hand of God. That yes, we are programmed to receive favour, we are programmed for joy and peace, but it doesn't come through cross lotto. It's through the gift of Jesus Christ that's available for everyone and is, if you like, originated at Christmas time. That's what we're celebrating. Not that we got a pretty good toy in our cracker on Christmas Day, but that Jesus has come, God is for us, joy and peace and favour are ours. That's godly favour. Not luck, but favour. It's connected with God. It's for us. So the second reason that it's good news is that it brings joy, peace and favour. And who, at the end of the day, doesn't want a bit of joy, peace and favour, especially when it comes from God? Thirdly, the good news is for everyone. The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for All the people. All the people. So the idea that this is just for you guys, you little shepherds, you're going to have a bit of joy, you know, keep it a secret, don't tell anyone. No, sir. The fact that Jesus has come, that God stands in his place, is is good news. It's, It's for everyone. It's not just for a select few. It's not announced in the governor's house so that the people of power find out about it. It's announced out in the field so that your average Joe Blow gets the message as well. In fact, that's where it starts. So this is why Christmas is something that we should share with others, that we should extend that favour to others, to, to invite others in. This is why... The act of inviting at Christmas time is a good thing to do. It it makes sense. It matches the story. It's a response to the invitation. I'm going to talk next week a bit more about gift giving and how gift giving is actually a good reflection of the Christmas story. I know a lot of times we often think the commercialisation of Christmas, you know, it drives a bit mad. We're not sure if it if it's a good thing, if it matches. And I agree, we need to keep a a control of it. We don't need to go stupid on it. But the act of giving a gift to someone, and depending on how your family does it, to everyone, actually matches the story. It's the giving of a gift, and it represents the giving of the great gift in Jesus Christ. So it's good news for everyone. The Celebration of Christmas in our community, I think, is a privilege. It's a privilege for us as Australians to belong to a community where Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday and Christmas Day are public holidays. We probably just take it for granted. But those of you who have travelled a little bit, uh, I know when I go to Myanmar and talk to them about Easter and whatever, and they say, oh, no, that's not, that's not a public holiday. There's no, there's no talk of Christmas or anything like that. that. That's not even in their calendar. So they have to actually make arrangements to do things themselves to acknowledge those moments. And we just think, oh, doesn't everyone do it? It's Christmas. <laughs> but that reflects our, our culture and where we come from. So 
For us, there's two challenges as Aussies for us. One is that, yeah, we just think, well, everyone does it and we take it a bit for granted as Christians. But the other challenge for us as Christians is we need to make sure that it doesn't lose its flavour, its savouriness, uh, when it comes to celebrating it with other folks. We know that not everyone who celebrates Christmas is a Christian. My mum uh, was uh, raised not quite in church. She went to youth group when she was a young girl but didn't pursue any of that when she got married. But she loved Christmas. She thought it was a great time to get together and give gifts and whatever. And I never forget when uh, I became a Christian for the first time. Uh, If I remember back, it was November 1983. I'd just finished my year 12 exams. I finally, after going to church for a year at Flinders Park Church of Christ, walked out the front on a Sunday night. Finally, stood there. I'm a believer. And four weeks later, celebrated my first Christmas as a Christian. And I went to church on Christmas Day. It was unheard of in our family. We didn't do anything like that. Never, never went to... And I'm thinking... This is incredible. This Christmas thing that we did actually meant something about the future and the destiny of people. It's not just food and family and presents, as exciting as they are, but this Christmas thing is my destiny. It's, it's my life. I've been saved. I couldn't believe that this day now had a meaning that I'd never understood, that, I, that I'd never uh, conceived. And it was, it was really strange and exciting and mind-blowing, but it was, it was good. So, folks, we need to make sure that, yes, by all means, do the Christmas thing. By all means. But, friends, never forget or, or fail to understand or share the fact that it is Life-changing what happened on Christmas Day. Life-changing and and profound in its implications for all people. So um, Christmas uh, is for everybody. Also, Christmas is for you. Now, that's going to sound a little strange after saying the one that we just shared beforehand, uh, but the point being that the, the angels give these guys the news and then they don't disappear. They then say, and here's a sign that this is true. You, you, you can actually know that this is true. This is what you're going to find when you go into town and have a look for this child. So, friends, it's not just about it's, it's something we do as a community or as a church, but it's meant to be applied to your life. It's meant to change your life. It's a gift for you personally to receive. And God understands your struggle to receive it. God understands your struggle to accept it. God understands your struggle to outwork it. But he's prepared to deal with you individually and personally so that you get that gift. And he gives the news to the shepherds and then they get told, go into town, you're going to find this child and it's going to be in a manger. So they know who they're looking for. They know where to look. Pretty much. So Christmas is good news because it's for you. And then finally, the fifth thing is because it's about a saviour. It's not just a, 
It's not just about a gift. It's not just about a meal. It's not just about an occasion. But it's the deliverance of the Lord and Saviour to all the world. What does Jesus save from? (laughs) Pretty, Pretty much everything. Our sin, our estrangement from God, firstly, he breaks the power of a sphere and of estrangement from God. He's dealt with it. His answer is contained within him. He is the saviour for all and for all time. If we have a sin problem, who do we need? Not ghost busters, but Jesus, Lord and saviour of all the world. Now, in the time available to us, I want to ask a question. How do we respond to the good news? Uh, And let's just see. I did, uh, don't worry, I put the verses in this morning, Dave, but I forgot about it and did it wrong, I think. So there you go. I'm going to read this out because this is important uh, about how the shepherds responded. So, We've read earlier the shepherd's announcement and then it says in Luke chapter 2 verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, so they've disappeared, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord had told us about. Now, perhaps put yourself in their shoes. You're there, you're looking after the sheep, it's late at night, I don't know. These angels have showed up. I thought that's what they were. They said a few weird things. And it's just like, man, what was that? And you go back to sleep. It's just like, that's crazy. But these shepherds receive the greatest scoop of all time, but they don't leave it there. They say to each other, let's go to Bethlehem as instructed and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They, they make three confessions. Firstly, they say, let's get moving. Let's do something with this news. Let's, let's not just talk about it. Let's get moving. Let's put our feet into action. They then say it has happened. They believe it. They've received it. it, it God has stepped into the world. And then they say, and it's God that's told us about it. They make three confessions. They do three things with it. And that's the invitation for us. You can celebrate Christmas all your life because it's part of Australian culture. It's a public holiday. You can do it. But the question is, will you ever get to the stage where you do what the shepherds did, where you investigate what Christmas is about, where you go to church not only on Christmas Day, but then you go back week after week, which is what I did for a year after I heard the gospel for the first time. They're telling me to do this and do that. I'm thinking like, I feel something, but I don't understand all of it. I need to investigate. I'll start going to church. I'll start putting myself in the place to receive the ministry and the mission of the word. And then after a year, I said, it's, it's as real. This is true. I believe and I receive it. So investigate. They then go on and they, it says in verse 16, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. So they, they found it and then once they've seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So we see that what the shepherds did, they investigated and then they shared the news with other people. They didn't keep it to themselves. They didn't say, well, that's amazing. That'll be a good story for the future. But they then shared the good news with everyone and they were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then finally, they glorified God in their daily lives. It says that they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which they had just, which were just as they had been told. So they shared the good news and then they glorified God in their lives. They went back to their lives, as it were, and glorified God and shared the good news with others. So I want to challenge you this December, church. I want to get you thinking. We've got three weeks to go till Christmas Day. We've got opportunities here in the gathering of our church to invite. You've got opportunities as part of the community to touch others. Maybe there's people in your family that haven't yet said yes to Jesus. I know Judy and I are in that space. Who are we praying for? Who are we going to invite? Who are we going to touch? Who lives around us? Who do you work with? That Christmas time provides an opportunity to just touch or invite. I'm challenging you to think about that this Christmas. And then finally, how does the fact that we have heard the good news, how does the fact that we have received the good news, how does that affect what we do? How has it affected our life? How's Christmas time going to make a difference in us and for us and for others this year? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that there was a first Christmas. We, we just want to thank you for that, Lord. And we also want to thank you for the fact that you yourself became our Lord and our Saviour. That when we were cut off, when we were estranged from you, when we were desperate, you yourself stepped into our space. You sent us a Saviour. And Lord, we're so glad that it wasn't just kept for the elite, that it's not just reserved for the, the special or the rich or the famous, but that the news is shared firstly at ground level with everyone and for everyone. And Lord, we know many of us here today have experienced the difference that Christmas has made in our lives, have experienced that wonderful transformation, the peace and the joy that comes with knowing you, with being able to cast out all our fears of all the years, as the the wonderful Christmas carol says, they're met in you tonight. They're delivered from us in you tonight. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a sharing church this Christmas, that we would look out beyond ourselves as a community and as individuals to our family, friends and neighbours and think, how can we touch someone this Christmas? Who should we say, come and see to? And who should we go and tell to? How do those things look for us today? Lord, I thank you for the fact that you've entrusted us with a great message. 
that you've placed us in a nation where incredibly Christmas Day is it's a holiday. It, it's set aside. It, it, it's where people are invited to stop and reflect on what it means and, and what occurred. And Lord, we just pray. I, I feel to pray right now that there'd be a massive discovery of the truth of Christmas this year. That, that people would go beyond a day off and a day to just drink and eat and give a few gifts, but would actually be able to stand in a place where Jesus is preached, where the true message of Christmas is declared. Lord, I pray that that would be our experience and our message that we share with others this year. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our team to uh, come to the front and uh, we're going to have a time of worship and also a time of prayer ministry together. And uh, our prayer ministry team is going to come down the front and uh, be available to pray for you. Uh, The first place that we always want to start with our prayer ministry team is that uh, we are ready and willing to pray for you and with you about anything. Absolutely anything. We believe in the healing power of prayer. We believe in the provisional power of prayer. We believe that there's nothing too small to bring to God. We also believe there's nothing too great. There's nothing beyond his touch, beyond his grasp. So wherever you may stand today, we're going to invite you. Now I'm going to ask you all to get you to your feet, church, and we're going to invite anyone who wants to receive prayer to come to the front. Secondly, I certainly want to invite you to consider who in your experience you might be praying for today. Maybe there's someone that needs to experience Christmas in a different way this year. Someone who you know they need to go beyond food and fun. They need to be go beyond presents. They need to know the ultimate Christmas gift this year. I invite you to maybe pray for them. And if you're a person that's on the journey, you want to find out more, well, we can pray for you as well. But let's just get to our feet now. Let's worship and celebrate with our team. Prayer ministry team, please come down. And if you're a person who needs prayer today about any of those things, anything whatsoever, we'd love to commit you to God's care today. Thank you, Jesus.